Hello, people in Vancouver and Portland. We're coming to see you. Uh, in March. <laughs> okay, did I step on you? No, no, I stepped on you, I think, man. All right, well, this is as clunky as we usually are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to be coming to those two fair cities that uh, I learned don't have direct flights <laughs> yesterday, and I can't wait regardless. So we're going to be in Vancouver on Sunday, March 29th at the Chan Center. That's right. We're, we're kicking it up a notch there, so we need your support. Yeah, for real. And then the next day, we're really kicking it up a notch, maybe two in Portland. We're mm-hmm. going to be at the Schnitzer Concert Hall on Monday, March 30th. That's right. And we need your support there too, Portland, because... Uh, again, these are bigger venues. We're giving it a whirl. Don't don't put egg on our faces, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can get all sorts of information. You can buy tickets, everything you need. Just go to SYSKlive.com, and we'll see you in March. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryan over there. There's Jerry over there. And this is Stuff You Should Know, the super topical, timely edition, because Chuck, (laughs) this episode is about Mardi Gras, and we're recording it on Mardi Gras. Right. Which, in true Stuff You Should Know fashion, it will come out a month after. (laughs) Basically. So what we need to do is do this a month before. Right. So it comes out on Fat Tuesday. Well, that would be like the daily or something, not Stuff You Should Know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And I've just been uh, going around the office showing everyone my boobs all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm all beaded I up. was wondering why you had all those beads. <laughs> now I understand. Yeah. I think we should apologize in advance to, to the people of New Orleans because mm-hmm. when it comes to something this specific, we always just get killed. Right. Oh, yeah. It's so personal to so many people. For sure. And we're going to mess up so much. They're going to be like, you didn't mention my crew. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been to New Orleans twice for the shows that we've done there. Yeah. It was not around Mardi Gras. I read a bunch about it, so now I understand New Orleans Mardi Gras better than ever. Mm-hmm. But I also learned that it's one of those things where it's kind of like like researching humor, mm-hmm. where you can understand the mechanism behind humor, and you can explain humor, but it doesn't quite yeah. capture it fully. That's what we're going to do here yeah. today. So this one will stink. Right. No, it won't. It'll be fine. I've never been to Mardi Gras either, and... I mean, I just have no interest at all, mainly because of seeing a lot of cops Mardi Gras New Orleans mm-hmm. episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a young, it's not for me, you know. But uh, I love New Orleans, and you can find your, uh, the most hospitable people on the planet there at any time of year. Right. And they won't get mad at us. That's what's so great about them. We're going to mess up a lot, and they'll be like, eh, it's all right. Yeah, they're, don't worry about it, guys. They'll kill us, but they won't get <laughs> mad at us. Ooh, you know what I mean? Maybe. Also, I want to shout out our friend uh, Doug Shashery. Sashery. Oh, sure. I even pr- I practiced it, Chuck. Uh, it's a tough name. Who was at our New Orleans show and brought us? Uh, what were they called? Boudin balls. Uh huh. Boudin. Yeah, they were so good. But Doug's a great really guy with were, or man. without the gift of boudin. Yeah, boy, that guy is like a friend to the world. Mm-hmm. He invited us again. So Sashery, if that name sounds familiar, uh-huh. the Tony Sashery seasoning, he is the he is an heir to the throne. He's uh-huh. one of the Sashery kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, grandkids, maybe. And um, he has invited us to their company boil again this April. He has for like the last few years. Uh, we're going to get to that one of these one years. One of these days we will. Uh, just a great larger-than-life guy, mm-hmm. like doesn't know a stranger, 
Could, right. We met him once, and I felt like he was a, a best friend. Yeah, he was hanging out with us backstage. He was, was like, great. hey, this kind of reminds me of the time I was hanging out backstage with Metallica. Did I ever right. tell you about the time I met the Three Stooges? Yeah, they were great. Yeah. <laughs> Just like he that. He was awesome, man. Yeah. What a good dude. Anyway, hey, Doug. Uh, well, so let's get it started, Charles. Yes. Uh, Mardi Gras, a.k.a. And is it pronounced Carnival, or does that have to have an E on the end? I think it's Carnival. And I think it's carnival because it actually comes from the Latin words carna or carne vale. Which means farewell to the flesh. Meat volleyball. <laughs> that's that's better interpretation. It's wrong, but I like is it. Is that more. farewell to the flesh? Is that what it means? Yes, not to be confused with Candyman 2, farewell to the flesh. Right. <laughs> it just means farewell to the flesh. Uh, carnival and Mardi Gras begin in January. And like we said, today is Fat Tuesday, so everything has been going on in New Orleans and other places, but we're talking about the New Orleans Mardi Gras. Right. Not Mobile, Alabama. I'm sorry. No. I know that you were the OGs. But apparently, (laughs) right, yeah, I was going to say they had the first one by a mile from from this, like I think 15 years before New Orleans was even founded. Yeah. And our very own, uh, I mean, there are various neighborhoods around the world that do stuff like this. Yeah. Like Kirkwood in Atlanta, for some reason, <laughs> has a little New Orleans thing. Is that right? And every year they do a little Mardi Gras parade mm-hmm. and paint the signs purple and gold and green. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. Maybe there's just some people from New Orleans who showed up. That'd be my guess. Yeah. That that happened post-Katrina. We got a lot of people that moved here. But yeah, there was a lot. Yeah, that's right. I wonder if that does have to do with it. Maybe. But there, it does... It does seem like the history of Mardi Gras and the um, different influences from Mardi Gras kind of have converged in New Orleans. It's like, yes, give us this. We'll take this tradition. Yes, give us that. And now everybody thinks when you think Mardi Gras, you think New Orleans. Orleans. But one thing that I don't think this article um, really pointed out very well is Mardi Gras is a day that's one part of Carnival. Or Carnivale. Yeah, it's, Carnival. it's the culmination of a couple of weeks uh-huh. of partying and parading yep. and masquerade balling. Yes. Uh, and, well, we'll just see a lot of fun stuff. Right. But it's – so, like, if you go down to Rio for Carnival, right. it's the exact same festival mm-hmm. celebrated differently in Brazil, but the same thing. They're celebrating the same thing mm-hmm. as they're celebrating throughout the Mardi Gras season in New Orleans. That's right. Or in Kirkwood. <laughs> I bet Brazil would be pretty fun. I can't imagine. With all the all those ugly men and women that live there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dressed in drab, like, baggy clothing. Oh, man. That's my favorite part of the World Cup is uh, just seeing people in the crowd from Brazil. Sure. All the models. <laughs> the average person is a supermodel. So uh, <laughs> That's what it says on the tourist website. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and Fat Tuesday, of course, is the day before Ash Wednesday, which is tomorrow, and the beginning of Lent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up Baptist, as everyone knows, and so I'd never had to— You never got the charcoal on your forehead? No, and in fact, in the, in the South, in the 70s and 80s, there were so few Catholics that— They'd throw stones at you if you had the charcoal <laughs> on your forehead. Well, I didn't even know what it was, really. It, I mean, I was— I think I remember being in college and being like, you got something on your head. <laughs> I don't remember what the ash is for. I'm sure uh, 1.3 billion Catholics will write in to tell us. <laughs> but it's it's the start of Lent, like you said, which is a period of fasting before Easter. Right. It's a very, it's a very holy period for the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, and I think the original idea was uh, for is the, the partying is, hey, let's— 
let's indulge before we have to not indulge. Right. So on like foods and stuff. I don't think it was like let's all get super hammered. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. So um, prior to that, even it has roots in paganism. Yeah. Even before the Roman Catholic, like, like everything, <laughs> every holiday we celebrate is based on paganism and then syncretized by the Roman Catholic Church. That's right. But um, the pagan roots of it were more um, pragmatic or practical where mm-hmm. you had stuff that was like the last of the harvest um, from the summer before, the fall before. And it was starting to get kind of it was starting to turn and spoil, and you needed to eat it mm-hmm. before that time. So it was this this period of like using up everything in the house that was yeah. about to turn bad. Eat all these eggs, and like you would do that. <laughs> it was called um, uh, gras bouffe, I believe, or bouffe gras. No, gras bouffe, <laughs> which means fat fat cow or fat fat beef. Okay, and it was um, it like was this Shia idea that, that like the <laughs> right. That the the beef had been fattened just to perfection, and they weren't going to get any fatter, and maybe right. they wouldn't even make it uh, any any further. And you just slaughter them and eat them, or you just eat all the stuff in your house. Maybe they wouldn't make any further. Like that cow is about to die. I can it's tell. It's <laughs> like it's so fat, it's about to die. Let's eat it. Uh, so they think, or they, there's evidence at least that there was Mardi Gras celebrating going on, maybe. As early as the 18th century. Definitely, from what I saw. There was a French explorer named Pierre Lemoyne Sieur de Belleville. I think you you really got it. Yeah? Especially if you crunch it together and speed it up. <laughs> I can't do that. I think you really <laughs> nailed it. And he was exploring around and camping out about 50 miles south of what is now New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, I know that they're celebrating in France right now. Right. So I am going to christen this site. Point du Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like we said, though, the, the real Mardi Gras celebration kind of started in earnest in Mobile, Alabama, though, right? Yeah. So he named the thing. I don't know if he actually celebrated Mardi Gras, but he well, named that himself, little maybe. area. Right. <laughs> he named that area Pont du Mardi Gras. But the, so that was 1699. Apparently, four years later um, in Mobile, before it was even a town, they celebrated. They had their first like Mardi Gras party or whatever, a ball yeah. or something like that at the fort. And then New Orleans was cel- was um, incorporated or founded in 1718, and they started having um, Mardi Gras parties like shortly after that. So right. it was all very close to the beginning of the 18th century. Everybody started having Mardi Gras, and it was like directly from the French influence in the area. Oh, yeah. And if you look into the early 1800s, like the 1820s and into the 1830s. This is when you start seeing a little bit more of what we're talking about as far as uh, carriages that are decorated, uh, people parading in masks, walking on foot probably at this point or or in carriages. It was largely spontaneous though. Sure. There'd just be people partying on the street wearing masks. Yeah. Um, Hey, let's walk that way. Yeah. And (laughs) and they did. And then other people would walk that way too and all of a sudden you had a parade. That's right. But the thing is, is this revelry on the streets – because everybody was indulging, and the point was to, like, not just indulge, but, really, like, really overindulge. Like, this yeah. wasn't just your average, like, village party. This no, is no. everybody was getting trashed, even back then. <laughs> and so people were getting in fights, and people were— It was um, cops in like, New Orleans. beating up each other, and <laughs> yeah. horses were kicking people right off of their feet. All uh-huh. sorts of crazy stuff was happening. It was, yeah, cops New Orleans. Um and so the the city the city leaders were like we're not going to do this anymore. This is out of hand. Mm-hmm. And in 1857, I believe, 
Yeah. A group of, um, actually, from what I saw, transplants from Mobile, who were uh, members of a group called the uh, Cowbellian Dirakin Society. Okay. More cowbell. Sure. <laughs> they um, they said, hey, how about this? We'll actually organize a legit parade, uh-huh. and it'll be much more orderly. There won't be this chaos. And they formed uh, the mystic crew of Comus or Camus. Yeah, so there's a lot of K's in place of C's. Mystic has a K. But it doesn't look scary like we talked about. <laughs> oh, right. In, in, mm. Oh, does it to you? Well, not Mystic Crew, but it depends on what follows. Mm-hmm. Mystic, because it could look creepy to me. Okay. Uh, but Crew is spelled with a K-R-E-W-E. Mm-hmm. And we should go ahead and talk a little bit about what a crew is. Yeah, agreed. It's, uh, it, it's a group of people who get together. <laughs> and um, technically, they are like legit nonprofits, and it's, they get larger at least. Yeah, they're I don't know charity, if all of them are. charity organizations. They're supposed to be. Yeah, and they are sort of the group of people who would get together and say, "All right, this is our gang, and we're gonna uh, gang in a good way, and we're gonna make a float and do this theme this year, mm-hmm. and all get together and get super drunk." Probably not all of them. I bet you there's a a non-drinking crew, like one. Gotta be. There has to be at least one crew, right? <laughs> but they, uh, they, they, they were anonymous originally. Like they were yeah, secret sure. groups that were like out and proud in public, but mm-hmm. like they wore masks and like their identity really was anonymous. Like yeah. you were an anonymous member of this group. That's right. And and um, over time now. People it, like the anonymity is not quite as important, and I'll it think. is to some though. I think I think sometimes they take it serious. Do I they mean, do still. Yeah, I mean, not in that. Like, I don't know. Maybe you can get kicked out. It might it might be more of a lighthearted thing, but I think generally they try and still respect the the masks on approach. Sure. Okay. All right. But I mean, like, if you told somebody like oh, I'm a member of the right. uh, crew of Rex or something like that, they're right. not going to kick you out. It's taking your mask off during the parade specifically. I, I think, think so. Yeah. So but they, we'll hear about it they, if we got that wrong. We definitely will. Yeah. They grew from these little tiny societies into very large groups, mm-hmm. well-funded almost across the board yeah. because they're supported by dues. Mm-hmm. And they put on parades and balls, masquerade balls mm-hmm. on the night of Mardi Gras. And um, some of them are just really enormous, have like big name celebrities and like huge bands that play. And Yeah, they'll, just, they'll nominate a person to be like the, the leader or the king mm-hmm. or queen yeah. each year. Yeah. Like you could, they could say, Josh Clark, we want you to come down. They could. And be the king of our crew this year. Right. And that's how it started back in... Not 1857, I think it was 1872 that the first king of a crew was nominated. Right, but 1857 was when the mystic crew of Comus uh, had what's now looked at the first uh, as the first kind of modern Mardi Gras parade. And uh, aside from a few years where like world wars interrupted things, mm-hmm. they've kind of been doing this every year since then. Yeah, there's another – so 1857 was a big year. 1872 that I mentioned was another big year because that year <clears throat> the um, the traditional Mardi Gras colors were added, I believe. Yeah, by the crew of Rex. And there's a lot of um, a lot of misunderstandings. Supposedly, so that year the crew of Rex named as their king or the the leader. I can't remember which one he was. The Russian uh, Grand Duke Alexei. Yeah. Who was from the House of Romanov, mm-hmm. and they said, "Well, these colors came from." 
the House of Romanoff, the gold, the green, and the purple that we all associate with with Mardi Gras. That's mm-hmm. just absolutely not true. The House of Romanoff has like red, yellow, and blue, I believe, are their colors. But that's just the legend that came about. But some other stuff happened that year, like the idea of electing a king to mm-hmm. your Mardi Gras parade. Yeah. Um, throwing beads for the first time happened that year. Yeah, the song. It, yeah, the song. Uh, what What is it? If I ever cease to love. That's not how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I've never heard it actually. So, you, I, I bet you if we played it, you might recognize it. So the the colors though, purple stands for justice, green for faith, and gold for power. Supposedly all just made up out of whole cloth. Yeah, and the idea with the beads was supposedly originally that you would toss these to people who you thought exemplified these traits. I'm not sure how accurate that is either. Mm-hmm. Um, now it is, of course, morphed into uh, another tradition, which I don't even know if that's still going on. What? Hey, Mister, throw me something. Or yeah, throw me something, Mister. Mister, throw me some some combination of those words. Well, I'll show you something, and you throw me something. Oh, that's different. So I think it went from. You look like you're involved in justice. Here's some beads. <laughs> to there's this traditional call. I think, um, Mister, throw me something. Okay. And then I think it morphed into the boobs thing. <laughs> the, you just said that literally quieter. <laughs> <laughs> right. I just put my hand up to my mouth. But I don't even know. You know, with all the advancements we've made in the past few years, mm-hmm. if people are doing that anymore, I would like to know about that because I'm not going to go down to Mardi Gras. I'll come to New Orleans. Not Jazz Fest and not Mardi Gras. Yeah. And I'll have a blast. Sure. But I'm not going to go to those things. When we Too were old. there, we were there last October. I think so, yeah. And there was candy in the streets. And I'm like, there's no way this is left over for Mardi Gras. Dude, there's parades all the time. That's in what New I Orleans. was wondering. Yes. Do they just do it all the time? I, I mean, every time I've been, there have been parties and parades. It just, it just it seems like one of those towns where they're always getting down. Right. Throwing candy. Uh, should we, well, I guess we should just say quickly, if you're, before we break, if you're going to go, we're not discouraging you go. Right. Um, but plan in advance because it's not the kind of thing where on a, the week before you can be like, Hey dudes, let's go, man. I think you can go under well, those auspices for sure. It's but you'll be, be sleeping in the totally van. Totally different kind yeah. of experience than if you like book a hotel a year in advance. Yeah. You won't get a hotel. You won't be able to eat at Emeralds or anything like that no. unless you plan like far, far in advance. Right. You could storm emeralds. Sure. Which people who sleep in vans and talk like you just did <laughs> might do. All right. So let's take a break and we'll talk more about Mardi Gras. All right, so if you are the city of New Orleans, you love Mardi Gras uh, because it brings in a ton of money every year. Yeah. Big like time, a, like a half a billion dollars. I couldn't believe that, man. A half a billion dollars. So much dough. A year. Yeah. Not since it started a couple hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah. But every year, about a half a billion dollars in revenue. Yeah, and this is something I thought was super cool. They're not. There's no corporate sponsorship. There, there can be. Oh, really? But it's, it's sorry, not like I don't, I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. Well, it's it's not like there's one Mardi Gras committee, right. and that is sponsored by right. X car brand, and the, there's a president of Mardi Gras. Right. Like it's all patchworks of crews and neighborhoods and people. Yeah, and all of them 
operate autonomously. Yes. Basically, what the city does is say, we can have X number of parades this year. These are the routes. Get a permit if you want to do it. Everything else is up to you. But like a local crew could be sponsored by Chico's Bail Bondsman? Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> okay. Man, that was a great deep cut right there. <laughs> but um, it's customary not to. Right. If you do that, you're, uh, you know, again, you're operating autonomously, so mm-hmm. nobody can tell you not to. Right. But it's just kind of looked down upon. But some do. I saw somebody sponsored by Bud Light, and I could not find it. Oh, really? Um, so it gets that big. Yeah, dude, the... Let me just see. the the crew of Endymion E N D Y M O N. Okay. Who knows how to pronounce half of these? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure we're butchering it. I uh-huh. need to have my word butcher apron on. Uh-huh. But um, the crew of Endymion. I'm pretty sure I got it. <laughs> theirs usually ends. Their parade usually ends in the Superdome. In Budman with Budman. Basically, <laughs> or Duffman. Yeah, Duffman. Um. In the Superdome, and they'll have, like, a huge concert. Like, this year, I think the Superdome is under construction, so they're ending it somewhere else. But, like, Styx is playing. <laughs> Train is playing. There's, like, five bands. Wow. Styx, dude. Sure. I would walk, you know, however long to go see Styx. Styx without Dennis DeYoung. But that's, oh, really, is he dead? No, he just doesn't. They broke up, and oh, Styx went on without their lead singer. I don't know, man. I think the crew of Endemon's got enough, like... Cash to bring them back. You know, it'd be cool as if Endemon had sticks and like uh, the Mystic crew had Dennis DeYoung uh-huh. on the other side of town. <laughs> right. You got to choose, you know, your allegiance. Yeah. <laughs> Do really... I want to hear Mr. Roboto or too much time on my hands? Man. I think Tommy Shaw sang that. Okay. So when did that start? Tommy w- Shaw w- era. Well, no, he's always been around, but he there was the lead singer, and then Tommy Shaw played guitar and sang a few other songs, too. Okay, and then he took over when Dennis DeYoung left? Sure. Okay. What do you do when the Dennis DeYoung vacuum opens up? I don't know. I you mean, step in there. you could also fill it with <laughs> Sammy Hagar. <laughs> oh, man. I was listening to some Van Hagar this weekend. It's good stuff. Because that's what Emily loves. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Big shout-out to Aaron Hagar. Yeah, this is the shout-out up, huh? I guess so. So, um... I don't remember how we got on that, but oh yeah, so so yes, yeah, some of these can be so big. The super cruise specifically, we'll talk a little more about that. Yeah, but the super cruise are like these big giant ones that are just tradition that mm-hmm. have hundreds of members on you know in their parade. One of them, I think, Endemon, um, has one float that's like three hundred and sixty feet long. Wow, there's like thirty two hundred floaters in their parade. Amazing, just a ton of people. They throw out like I think. Yeah, 15 million throws, things that they throw out, everything from beads to balloons and all that. Uh-huh. 15 million in a parade. Uh-huh. So, yeah, these things can get like Bud Light corporate sponsorship wow. level. Amazing. Yeah. So, uh, it is a, an integrated parade now and series of parades now. Obviously, pre integration, uh, there were uh, communities, African American communities in New Orleans that got together their own jam, which I bet was quite a party. Um, the crew, uh, the Zulu Social Aid and Pleasure Club Incorporated mm-hmm. is one said uh, cruise. Although I did see that there are some white people in that crew now. Oh, did it integrate? That's cool. I think so because there was some controversy. They dress up in, uh, I think, traditional African garb and they – Well, they wear grass skirts. Well, they wear blackface right. too, which yeah. I saw a couple of years ago there was a call to stop the blackface right. even though they're African-American. Right. And they said, but there were some white members doing it too. Oh. And they said, you know, because of the minstrel roots, and uh-huh. which I totally want to do one on minstrel shows. Yeah. 
uh, to not do it anymore. Other people say, no, it's it's more rooted in like the mask tra- tradition for us. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if they're still doing that or not as of 2020. Well, I was reading on their website about their history. That this is not the first time they were kind of protested by um, African Americans uh, in the 60s. Oh, yeah, I saw that too. There was a big like push against them, and the, their membership dwindled down to, I think, 16 people. Yeah. Because it was just so unpopular what they were doing. I think Louis Armstrong wore blackface one year as their uh, king. But they, so the social aid and pleasure club, the social aid part is that that group started out back in the day where, um, and it wasn't just African-Americans, but I could definitely see during the Jim Crow era where African-Americans needed to do this, they would all chip in like membership dues. And then when they fell ill, the, that, you know, that larger pot of money would take care of them, basically like insurance is right. supposed to work, right? right. <laughs> but that's where the social league came from, but they still are a charity organization. Interesting. And Dougie Fresh is playing at their ball tonight. Oh, really? Uh-huh. If you had a chance to see Sticks or Dougie Fresh, which would Don't it be? Don't make me choose, man. <laughs> or Dennis DeYoung. <laughs> Don't make me choose. <laughs> Dougie Fresh would be pretty cool. I, I know of Dougie Fresh, but I'm not, I'm not hip to th- those jams. You don't have to be hip to, to know Dougie Fresh. Well, I mean, he's hip. been around. Too I mean, long. I don't know them. I guess is what I mean. I know I'm not hip already. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, a second ago, I think you said balloons <laughs> instead of doubloons. No, I didn't. I think so. Let's rewind. <laughs> balloons. Oh, See I did. There? Wow. <laughs> uh, wait, we need to fast forward. So doubloons <laughs> are. <laughs> we've reached a new low. Yeah. Here in year twelve. Uh, they are aluminum. They are little coin-like objects. And or they have, aluminum. Sure. And they have um, the crew's insignia on one side mm-hmm. and then whatever their theme is on the other. They toss these out at people. There's mm-hmm. a lot of tossing. Yeah, and actually those things, doubloons, um, fall under the larger umbrella of throws. Of balloons. <laughs> <laughs> did I, I said doubloons this right. Yeah, this, you, okay. you did. Man, you got my head, Chuck. Yeah, those are throws. Throws are anything that is thrown from a float, and usually it's a very inexpensive souvenir Beads, very, very customary. Sure. Those doubloons are a little more um, uh, sought after. Oh, are they? It's like a a challenge coin? Like, I think if it's like, um, if it has like the group's insignia and then on the other side the theme that year, it's definitely considered a collectible. And not just a a generic ones, I guess? I think so. Okay. And then um, like others, other people's throws are like, other crew's throws are like really sought after. Like the Zulu's throws are coconuts. Oh, wow. Um, and like real coconuts? I think they were at one point. I'm not sure if they Heads are anymore. Heads up, everybody. <laughs> but so I read this Chowhound article about throws, and they were saying, like, the Zulus don't throw coconuts anymore because of legal reasons. <laughs> well, it's funny. There's a lot of stuff in here. Um, I mean, might as well talk about the king cakes. Sure. And the, <laughs> the chokeable that they would put inside of the king cake. Uh-huh. Uh, if you've never had a king cake, it is a big uh, sugared cake. It's oval with a hole in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's like a Danish. Yeah, but it's a Danish just like slathered in sugar of, mm-hmm. of purple, green, and gold. Right. And very rich and sugary. And the tradition, of course, to put the little plastic baby Jesus, or it represented baby Jesus initially, I guess. It's a naked baby. <laughs> sure. <laughs> swaddling, no swaddling clothes. No. Uh, that started, what was the guy's name? It's a Donald Entridger who started that in the 40s. Yeah, the 1940s. So it's not like a hundreds-year-old tradition. Yeah, and it actually didn't survive terribly long because at some point in time in the not-too-distant past, 
bakers started to say, uh, we don't want to get sued either. Yeah. Those Zulus are onto something. We're, we're going to stop baking the little plastic baby dolls into this cake. Yeah, that just seems insane. Because people could choke on them. Yeah. So now it comes in like a little pack, like a little cellophane packet. Right, that says stick in at your own risk. Right. <laughs> and then you just, I guess you stick it in and then lick your hand and smooth the icing <laughs> back over to, to cover up that part. So I'm trying to figure out the first time we went to New Orleans. I think it was around... Mardi Gras, unless they have another big king cake celebration, Uh, which they might. They don't. This is it? They do not. King cake season actually runs from um, King's Day, which is January 6th, which is the day that officially kicks off Mardi Gras season in in New Orleans, until Ash Wednesday. You're not supposed to be able to get a king cake outside of that. So, you know, it may not have been for a tour because I did take another trip down there. Uh, with our friends Gus and Matt and their son. I can't remember if that was the same trip or not. So I'm getting them all mixed up, but whenever I'm, I'm we were down you. there, our friends Miggs and Jackie, who live there, uh-huh. uh, took us on like a neighborhood king cake um, that, traveling party. I think that was for our show because those people, I think who you're talking about, came backstage that first show. Miggs and Jackie definitely did. Okay. And then I specifically remember walking under a scaffolding bleacher, mm-hmm. painted green, okay. <laughs> maybe even purple, and it was along a street. Oh, so okay. So maybe that was it. had to have been around. Yeah. It must have been either before or after something, but it was during the season. So I guess ultimately what I'm saying is the first time must have been around then. <laughs> yeah, and it's if also— If you put <laughs> both of our recollections together, it forms a cohesive whole. And I'm not the first person to uh, have various New Orleans trips kind of— Blur together. Blur together <laughs> right, in my head. But all I know is that king cake thing was – I felt like strangers, literal strangers were just like, come on in. And giving you king cake? Yes, and every other kind of great food and yeah. sweet. Yeah. They do have pretty good food down there. Oh, man. So, um, man, we're just knocking the traditions out, aren't we? Yeah. What else, what else should we talk about? The parades? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of parades, uh, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 parades – I think this year it counted 79. 79? Like, that's the level of commitment you're getting out of Josh Clark is (laughs) hand-counting the number of parades from the parade schedule. Uh, The 12 days leading up to Mardi Gras, those final 12 days are when— Now, that's Carnival. I don't know why this article was so averse to saying it. Yeah, that is weird. They, it kept saying anything but just calling it Carnival. Well, no, 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 but it leads up to the day of Mardi Gras. Right. Yeah. Mardi Gras is one day of Carnival. Yeah, which is what I said. Carnival is the 12 days leading up to Mardi Gras. Right. Including Mardi Gras. That's right. Okay. But those are concentrated in uh, the parishes of Orleans, Jefferson, um, St. Bernard, and Saint Tammany. Mm-hmm. Is that how it's pronounced? Probably. But there are pre-season parades. Like it is eked out longer and longer over the years is the impression I get. Yeah, and just the same that uh, King Cakes become available January 6th, that same day, King's Day, there's a a couple of parades that typically, um, a couple of parades or at least events that typically um, kick off this whole season. Even though Carnival doesn't start until the second Friday before Fat Tuesday, just chew on it, it's all there, (laughs) Um, the actual Mardi Gras season kicks off on January 6th. That's right. Chew on that naked baby made of plastic. Right. 
And because we should also, we haven't said this, one more thing about dates and calendars. It's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> because the the Lenten season can change because Easter is not on one fixed day. Yeah, it sure. has to do with the moon or like rabbit reproduction or something like that. <laughs> that um, Mardi Gras can actually fall anywhere between February 3rd and March 9th. That's a big, long stretch that it could fall on. Right. But it has to do with when Easter comes because Mardi Gras is 40 days plus six before Easter. That's right. Those six Sundays. Right. We should have a sideshow called Calendar Talk. <laughs> we should. <laughs> it would be great. We just launched a, a spinoff just like uh, Too Close for Comfort. That's right. Too Close for Comfort. Right. We heard <laughs> back from a few people on that. So it's not a spinoff of anything, right? I, no, I don't okay. think so. Uh, so these crews have themes every year, and they they can range. Sometimes it's uh, about a legend or a famous story. Sometimes it's a kid's story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes something from literature, mythology. Uh, I think about half of these crews have names that are Greek or Roman in origin, right? Yeah. That's, well, I think it's kind of a nod to these pagan roots. Sure. Um, and it also includes Egyptian stuff, too. And I saw that the whole idea of wearing masks and, like, masquerade balls and all that actually traces its roots back to ancient Egypt. So oh, it's, yeah. it's really interesting, like, this, this stuff kind of traveled from ancient Egypt to ancient, uh, I guess, Greece and then Rome and then medieval Europe and then over to the New World. Isn't that interesting that Crazy. it's not like it's just been one unbroken chain, but it's it's connected enough that the, the current crews— mm-hmm. Name themselves after like Osiris or Isis or right, you know, who Isis the deity, right? Um, they're not down with the terrorist organization, yeah, ISIL, right, right. <laughs> um, that, there, that there's at least that awareness that this is rooted, this whole tradition is rooted in in in, in history that far back. I think that's really cool, yeah, it's cool, you know, and, and it all, all brought to you and, by Bud Light, <laughs> right? <laughs> and show me your boobs. Uh, should we take a break? Uh, sure. All right, let's take a break and we'll talk a little bit more about Super Cruise right after this. What's a Super Crew, Josh? Well, a Super Crew... The best crew. They're, they're, well, so typically there's a couple of qualifiers. One, they're usually um, very uh, well-funded. Yes. Large membership. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll their parades will occur within the last few days before and including Mardi Gras. Yeah, and these are the ones, like you were saying, that have some of them 300-foot-long uh, floats mm-hmm. or, you know, like 100 floats in their crew. Right. These are the ones that get the celebrities in that uh, convertible at the front. Yeah, and just like having corporate sponsorship, it was customary to not have outsiders as like the king of your parade. I would think so. Um, and then it was the crew of Bacchus that was the first to kind of break from that tradition back in it? 1969. Danny Kay, oh. the famous wig designer. <laughs> What does that mean? I don't even know. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. Really? Oh, okay. I thought that was some, like, serious in-joke that I wasn't No, hearing. no, no. Okay. Just random. Yeah. Gotcha. But no, he was a, a famous musical actor, right? Yeah. And wig designer. Sure. 
and the the parade format is basically where the captain, I think we were calling them leaders. Yeah. Well, they can be called leaders too, a crew leader. Yeah. Uh, they are at the head of the procession. They're usually on a float uh, mm-hmm. that is. Uh, or they could be on horseback. Yeah, or in that convertible, mm-hmm. like we were talking about. And then it is followed in succession by officers, kings, queens. Sometimes you got maids and dukes, and everyone's just having a good old time. Right. And so you said something about um, the themes, right? Yes. So each parade and processions theme there's like you said there's no overall theme to Mardi Gras right but there's a theme for each and every parade and the the crew selects it every year and yeah. like their floats are going to reflect that but what's funny is they're very frequently like children's literature mm-hmm. uh, mythology sure um, like like historical stuff or stuff that everybody knows like almost bland and the reason that I I kind of drew from the subtext of this article is there's a finite number of floats that you can rent in New Orleans for your parade. Yeah. And a lot of them have things like Little Bo Peep on them. Right. Because so some of these are rented and not built a lot of them from are. whole cloth. Typically, it's just the super crew that has the money and the manpower yeah. um, to to build a float from scratch yeah. every year. And so the super crews will have like way varying <laughs> themes. Right. But like a smaller crew <laughs> will have a theme where, you know, they can cobble together some float, some rented floats to make a cohesive uh, um, um, theme. Yeah, they're like, what do you got left? Uh, too close for comfort. <laughs> <laughs> right. The Jim J. Bullock float. But or the, that year the Zulus did the Seinfeld theme. That was <laughs> right. But the But the, I think that the floats available have to do with the theme because um, Interesting. You know, there are just a, a, there's a finite pool and there's a lot of them though. Yeah, yeah. So much so that I think St. Charles Parish I believe, or St. Orleans Parish, one of the two, has an ordinance that the same float oh, yeah. can't go through the business district in more than two parades during one Mardi Gras season. Right. So let's say you have a pre-parade with Little Bo Peep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't go back out as Little Bo Peep you, two weeks you can, later. You can one more time. Oh, you can only do it. Can't two more times. So they give you two. Yeah, the same float can't be used more than twice in oh, one Mardi Gras twice. season through okay. the Central Business District. But there's four different parishes <laughs> putting on Mardi Gras parades, so technically that same float could see a pretty decent amount oh, of Oh, so action. that's just in each parish. Just in either Orleans or St. Charles Parish. I can't remember. So Little Bo Peep could be seeing lots of action. Right. Like eight eight. Potential conceivably, sure, yeah, all right, good. But I think that's pretty interesting. It really kind of reveals like how seriously they take their Mardi Gras parades in New Orleans. There are local laws saying how many times a a float can be used because they want to keep it fresh and interesting. That's right, yeah. So, the other thing, too, when they're selecting these uh, leaders or the royalty, it says sometimes it's just random draws. For the king and queen, I would think it would a lot more thought would go into it than that. But I don't know. Maybe some of them do pick randomly. Not if it's coming from your membership, and you know, I think I. I oh well, that makes it fair, I guess. Right. Because then you can't jockey for position. Right. But um, you can also invite celebrities. Other times, um, you actually will pay for the privilege to to be the king or the queen or a duke or a maid. Sure. In the court. Um, I didn't see how much you would pay, but— Yeah, I was re- very curious about that. That's pretty rich. Yeah. You know? Sure. Like, like we pick you congratulations, and— Congratulations. <laughs> give us some money. Right. Where's my, where's my $2? <laughs> so the uh, costumes and the masks are obviously a big, big part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where a lot of money is generated, costume rental and uh, making original costumes. Yeah. Um, it is 
tradition, like we said, to to leave on your mask, but they're way more flexible about it now than they used to be, I think. But yes, but Bacchus and Rex, I believe, are are like you can lose your membership if you take your mask off during their Mardi Gras parade. They'll have you killed. <laughs> he will right there yeah. in the street. <laughs> Which has ruined more than one Mardi Gras. Yeah, but apparently it's so um like the 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 mask part of it is so um ingrained. It's such an ancient part of this yeah. that goes way back in time that it's still just totally widespread today, not just among people in the parade, but among people watching the parade too. Yes. And this article says you might feel weird actually not having a mask on. Right. But street vendors have you covered. You can just buy one from one of them. Of course you can. Yeah. Um, there's plastic garbage everywhere to buy and throw. <laughs> right. You used to sell it, didn't you? Oh, I sold the glow noodles. I love those, man. Uh, can we talk about moon pies? Sure, sure. So this makes a lot of sense uh, as a, a throw to take the place of something that could really hurt somebody. Because a traditional throw in New Orleans, uh, a sweet treat, used to be Cracker Jacks boxes. Right. Which are very, you know, it's like any tiny box. If you throw that from 10 or 12 feet away down onto someone, one of those corners can hit you in the face, and that's no fun. No. So the tradition of throwing the moon pie, which if you don't know what a moon pie is, you're missing out. It is a southern... I was going to call it delicacy, but <laughs> that might be stretching. You can get them at gas stations, so yeah. it really isn't. But they are two <laughs> uh, graham cracker cookies, soft ones, uh, between with marshmallow filling in between, uh-huh. dipped in chocolate. It's kind of like a, a portable s'more that's room temperature cold and soft. Yeah, like it's not a hard graham. Right, right. It's uh, like soft and crumbly. Yeah, and they're you know, I haven't had one in years and years. But I'm from the South, so I've had a moon pie or two in my day. Yeah, Yumi went on this little kick a few moon years back. Yeah, where she was like, what is this? And tried one. She's <laughs> like, oh, let's, there's a gas station. Let's stop and get a moon pie. Yeah. And it lasted for about a week and a half. And then she's like, oh, I don't want to see a moon pie again. <laughs> so you got gas twice. Yeah. She ate two moon Basically. pies. Basically. I think, I mean, they have other flavors now too, but the chocolate is the, the original. Right. Uh, and they started in 1917 when a salesman, traveling salesman from Chattanooga, uh, the Chattanooga Bakery ran into, as the story goes, a coal miner from Kentucky mm-hmm. who said, you know what we could use down there in the coal mines is a, a portable snack <laughs> right. that, a keeps, portable that delicacy. keeps well. <laughs> and they came up with the moon pie, I guess. And that coal miner was Loretta Lynn's father. That's Wasn't good. that who that movie was about? Coal Miner's Daughter? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Great movie. Uh, and this became a big Southern thing, but it didn't become a Mardi Gras thing until Mobile, Alabama, and their Cracker Jacks. Uh, Cracker Jack Ordinance? Yeah, I guess Of so. 1972, it said? I think so. Where they said the city actually outlawed Cracker Jacks being thrown from Mardi Gras floats because yeah. people were getting injured by them or hurt. So people said, well, moon pies totally make sense. You get hit in the eye with a moon pie, not a big deal. And now... If you go to Mardi Gras in New Orleans, apparently you can get moon pies thrown at you all over the place. Great. And you don't even have to. Don't even have to duck. Nope. Or take your shirt off. Uh, You got anything else? No. I don't either. Uh, Happy Mardi Gras, everybody. Happy uh, Ash Wednesday, I guess, depending on when you hear this. Happy Easter. Sure. Okay. Uh, And since I said happy Easter, of course, that means it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this... The long-awaited fire safety email. Thank you. <laughs> I can finally clear this out of my inbox. I know. You've been asking me off and on 
since last August. <laughs> Has it really been that long? Yeah. Oh, man. But not like every week. It's not like I'm not a sadist. <laughs> uh, here we go. I'm a research engineer that studies fire dynamics and material flammability. My group has developed a campaign to educate the public about general fire dynamics, fire safety, and what to do in case of a dwelling fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cornerstone of this is this as good as you thought it was mm-hmm. hoped it would be. Uh, the cornerstone of this campaign is called "Close Before You Doze," and that is C L O S E, not clothing. Oh, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's focused on residents closing their bedroom doors before going to sleep, because this strategy has been extensively tested in large-scale experiments. And provide, I'm sorry, proven to slow down the advance of the fire to provide adequate time for firefighters to uh, conduct search and rescue. That makes sense. So close your doors when you go to bed. Yeah, because if a fire does break out in your house, it will keep the smoke out a lot longer than it would if your doors open, giving firefighters time to come get you. Did you previously sleep with your doors open or have you always been a door closed guy? Uh guiltily must admit that I still sleep with the door open. You do? I'm toast. Is there a reason or just like Uh, or do you not even care? I don't Like is it a conscious thing? I don't It's more it just feels weird to me to have the door closed sleeping but yeah All right. I listen to stuff you should know during my morning and evening commutes. I really enjoy all the uh, research topics and the fine and I find that the way Josh and Chuck that's us Right. Present the information has always been very easy for me to relate to and understand. I think that is a great medium to help educate the population about the potentially life-saving difference a closed door can make in the event of a fire. It's truly stuff everyone should know and hope you think so as well and help us to get this information to the public a year later almost. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, let me see here. That is from Mark. Nice work, Mark. Who, again, is a research engineer doing work in fire dynamics and safety. Nice work, Mark. Thanks, Chuck, for doing that one. Um, I hope you guys listen to Mark. Don't follow my example. Close your door when you sleep. Yeah, we leave ours open, too. Yeah. We've got animals and the kids. Like, people need to get in and out. So, uh, if you want to be like Mark and let us know a PSA to tell everybody, we love doing those. We'll get to it eventually, I promise. Um, You can go ahead and send us an email. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, and send it off to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.